0: The deal is this. <laughs> tell you when I was a kid, that read Dropper Hunter, Mouth, and Turn Wilson all this real. Tell you when I was a kid, that read Dropper Hunter, Mouth, and Turn Wilson all this real, 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 real. They're on They're on Come
1: on.
0: Okay, by the time we finish this, you're all going to be practicing magicians. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, the podcast where Gary and I are covering Grant Morrison's new X-Men run from 2001. We have uh, pretty much done away with all of our primary arcs, and it's time to start uh, what you and I think is maybe the best arc of the run.
1: Yeah, this is, this is, uh, and you know, rereading it um, really kind of confirmed that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just kind of going through the series, like, I don't know exactly what it is about this, because it is definitely small ball. You know, it is definitely, like, low stakes. Like, the X-Men arcs deal with Apocalypse and Cameron Hodge and fucking Shi'ar Space Empires and the Phoenix and, and Magneto and stuff. I think that dealing with a threat this size is just really interesting. You know? It's, like, just really, really cool. It's a, it's a consequence that would follow from, um you know, what from opening up the school, from... It's like showing kind of the dark side of their like, hey, we're gonna do hippy dippy classes where everyone gets to do what they want, and like, I'm not, you know, I'm into hippy dippy classes where everybody wants to do what they want. I'm not saying that this needs to be taken down a peg, but the idea that like, hey, these are just still kids, you know, uh, is really important, and I think this is a good job does a good job of that.
0: I think the the low stakes works for it uh, because I think if it was all apocalypse, all Cassandra Nova. Uh- you know, all John sublime all the time, it just gets a little weary. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I found that in just about any media, like covering supernatural, uh, every single season has to do with like a new world or universe ending threat. Um, and that's because, you know, TV is TV and you want things to be big and exciting and impactful. Uh, but comic books really give you the chance to, to scale that down a little bit. And it's used to great effect here. Um, and not only is it like low stakes, it's also important. Like these are also big issues. It's just not like life ending stuff at this point, or like not like universe ending things happening. Um, but it also fills in kind of the, the cracks around what it means to be a mutant in this timeline or not timeline, but in this era, like, Mm-hmm. They're like the the big murder mystery that we're going to deal with, or the p- murder that jumps everything off is not a guy that goes to Xavier's. He's just a mutant that lives in the world and is trying to, you know, be a, a person, right? And that's that's really fascinating. And then all the stuff with uh, kick, I think it's like, super cool. Like I think that's just a real mm-hmm. fun thing to be able to play with. And yeah, like it's just it just works in a in a lot of different ways. We're gonna get introduced to Quentin Quire, and he's probably my favorite creation from the run. Uh, I like Phantom, yeah, X, yeah. Phantom X a whole lot, but like a telepath that goes with this like real militant, like, I guess what we would call almost alt-right now uh, is kind of fascinating. Like you just never saw that coming from Xavier's school. Like this is, this would be, yes. you know, this is somebody standing up and challenging Xavier and his beliefs. And uh, there's through this, Issue that we're going to cover, like Xavier having to respond to that, I think is really interesting as well. Like it shows, it gives you it gives you the ability to show that Xavier actually has maturity in a way that
1: doesn't necessarily exist if you're having to talk about the are right? Well, it, it shows his maturity, but it also shows his blind spots. That too, right? Like yeah. this is, you know, the X Men are good at fighting Apocalypse. They're not good at fighting their kids. They're not good at fighting this like some kind of legitimate points about their ideology. Like the X Men have always worked best when. Magneto does have a point, you know, mm-hmm. and this is a great example of that. Like, Quentin Quire is out of his mind on drugs. He's not making tons of sense, but he is asking, like, good questions. And Xavier, th- there's a couple scenes in this where Xavier confronts him, and all of them I love, because Xavier is being condescending, he's shifting, you know, he's dodging the, uh, the, the complaints and the, the things that are being addressed. He doesn't know how to deal with this. And the mm-hmm. X-Man can't just go, like, punch this kid until he stops moving because that is how the x-men deal with threats a lot of the time
0: although cyclops um, does does put that up as an option he's like i think these kids need a slap and i'm like yeah Scott, yeah calm the hell, like, calm the hell
1: down Scott. Yeah. later he breaks one of their legs um <laughs> the the uh the idea here that uh you know and this plays so well into one of the themes about this is that like you know the idea of mutant as a culture and as a, a way of looking at the world has to actually be different than humans which means like possibly you know we can't just deal with threats by punching them until they stop mm-hmm. and you know that is really kind of put to a test in this arc um, in a way that I think, and, and has consequences. Like people die, you know, characters that are new, you know, die to this, but it, like the fact that Magneto or not Magneto uh, Xavier um, doesn't handle this and has this blind spot spot does lead to serious consequences. Yeah. Um, in a way that I just, just kind of love. It's also just really sharply written. Yes. Um, my, this is Grant Morrison bringing his a game. Like this is the characters interfacing in a way that feels really believable. You know, we, I've talked about this before. These are my favorite versions of these characters as far as their voice. Um, All the time, like the scenes with Cyclops and Beast talking to each other. The times with uh Wolverine and Emma Frost talking. Like, everybody is perfectly in their voice. Everyone is really well-sketched. It's good characterization, good dialogue.
0: So let's start uh, talking with the cover. uh, Because yeah. it's, it's something that doesn't have anything to do with the actual story whatsoever. It's just Jean Grey doing her kind of phoenix thing but i think it's just a really nice you know it's, it's mm-hmm. really a nice picture of jean grey doing the phoenix thing so it's a,
1: it's a little bit of like a, a faint because the last issue ended with uh a rocky being like the phoenix wants vengeance yeah and uh you know is the great cleansing is coming you know or something like that and then we see this picture of jean grey with this uh kind of ambiguous smile on her face uh you know going fully phoenix and the issue barely has anything to do with it Yes. You know, uh, um, so. she also looks like she's wearing bell bottoms here, which I think is pretty dope. I like bell bottoms. Yeah. yeah. Good Should fashion. Go yeah. yeah. She just has a bunch of different shirts with their, the Phoenix logo on them. The Wouldn't last you? one was a t-shirt. This is her long sleeve shirt. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I would wear the shirt anyway. If I get, you know, I, I, would, I would, I cool. would wear
0: just a Phoenix logo shirt, but like also if I was yeah. a superhero and had my own fucking logo, I would like, I would be, I would be obnoxious with that shit. So,
1: Oh yeah. It'd be on everything. I The X phone would have nothing on me. You know? So, <laughs> the g phone yeah Yeah, everybody's using the g phone everybody's sleeping in your g bed reading your g books Mm -hmm. eating a g sandwich um so let's uh let's get into it here yep um we start off with uh this new character uh jumbo carnation Mm -hmm. um it says mutant town new york city last night Uh, he's leaving a club and he's uh clearly like a a fashionista he has four arms uh he has other mutant powers as well
0: yeah, and he's wearing like some extravagant belt and like a, a giant fur coat that has like arms for all four of his arms, which are which is kind of mm-hmm. super interesting. Um, and he can't get picked up by a cab, and that's where some humans come out
1: and beat the shit out of him and kill him. Yep. Yeah, and you know he's got this you know ironic sense of humor. Like, hello boys, I can't. I don't suppose any of you big hum- primitive humans could help me find a taxi. And like, oh yeah, you're the famous one. You're the one we saw on TV. Would you sign my autograph? And they're kind of uh, you know surrounding him. They start beating him up and he starts changing. Like, oh gross, he's turning to plastic. That's just the skin on the outside. He starts choking and he says, Why? So they start beating him up, but they we see here now that they did not kill him. Yeah. You know, which we're we're gonna find out later, but he starts turning into plastic and dies basically choking on his own mutant power. Super great. Uh super and great. We jump forward twenty-four hours
0: to the Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. Uh, and we have a, a classroom full of mutants, some of which we've seen before. We've got the Stepford Cuckoos. Um, we've yep. seen Glob Herman in the background. He's not really gotten a speaking line or anything, but I love is, him so much, though, uh, dude. Just the design, like I just just this picture yeah. of him sitting in the back row and kind of looking to the side. Yep. It's just so good. Yeah. So he's he's a he's a skeleton uh, filled with yep. organs, surrounded by a big like pink blob thing. It's and wax. It's, it's just yeah. yeah. It's so fucking
1: good. Um, and we're introduced to a character named Slick who's hanging out in the background like leaning on a on a cool back bench. Mm-hmm. You know the cool kids get to sit in. Uh, with a girl like, you know, on his arm. We see Quentin Quire working on Martha. We've seen her before floating in in her thing. Yep. Again just really really good. And and Slick announces, "Hey everybody, Jumbo Carnation is dead." Um, you know, Quentin Quire is like, "Who who gives a shit? Get stop, you know, speaking t- telepathically to me without my consent." Mhm um you know i'm trying to make these anti-gravity floats for martha you know she doesn't all she has is the memory of a body and slick is like co-opting this death like i think again slick i think is really great too uh and this all these kids are great yeah you know you, you could be forgiven for thinking that we were lying about liking the kids in x-men <laughs> based on how much we did not like x-men evolution <laughs> that's because it's a badly written cartoon yes. these, these are good kids uh this is the this is the good shit for kids i think
0: and slick says um, that uh you know Martha, is, at least, is still alive. Like Jumbo Carnation is dead. He was the the best mutant designer to ever live, and uh so he got killed by some mutants. And like while this is happening, some we humans, we see some, uh, we see Tattoo, who is the girl on his arm, like literally create. He is a dork on this side of her face, talking about yeah, Clayton, which I think <laughs> it's, is. It's just, I'm so glad I didn't know any yeah. a, a girl like Tattoo growing up because goddamn, it would be so <laughs> terrifying.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'd be extremely rough stuff. Um, you know, uh, he, Slick leaves, like I've been working on some songs as a tribute. You want to see me perform them, come to the benefit gig after lunch. I just thought it seemed important. And like, again, Slick is like, again, this is just a really well-sketched character. Like Mm -hmm. him co-opting the tragedy. Like I've been just working on some tribute songs. You know, it's just very funny, uh, serving his ego, which we'll, we'll find out some more on that. Everyone's getting out of class, uh, and Glob Herman and Quentin are friends like you know obviously glob herman would be a loser quentin choir is dressed up like a typical dork yes you know these are the unpopular kids
0: Mm -hmm. and uh quentin obviously has something for uh sophie one of the stefan cuckoos um even though you know herman glob says like how can you even tell them apart and keep saying that there's only four of them instead of five
1: Um, yeah a little foreshadowing
0: and we get we do get Um, introduced to the idea about O- open day um so they've, yes. d- they've done this before where they invited humans in now they're actually going to have human children at the school we're going to find out some more details about that later but like that's the the background thing that's happening while all of this foreground stuff is
1: Yeah. um you know uh he's like there are five separate cuckoos and glob again i think glob is very funny keep shoving chocolate bars in your mouth there's gonna be five of you it's like i don't know getting fat works <laughs> um, come on glob uh and uh you know he's Quentin is doing a real, this is very believable teen attitudes. I have this attitude as a kid, like slick, you know, his, his fake charisma. He's just copying what the magazines have to say. He doesn't know anything about real style. Like I do. And that was, you know, me as a shitty teenager, mm-hmm. um, he pulls out, he's taken the front page of the daily bugle from the day he was born, which was like mutant menace. Are they for real? And they have this picture of this, like Namor looking dude with a whip, uh, whipping a human. Um, and he keeps calling it this awesome piece of pop art yes uh that he's found and i just love that like that would be you know this is this is what kids would be into you know these weird like kind of mid-century retro aesthetics and ideas and stuff like this feels very real to me
0: yeah this is the bugle uh we see this picture later because he's going to keep bringing it up but like underneath it it says like an artist's uh, representation of what it could be like if the mutants controlled the world or something or like enslave the humans and like that's typical for the daily bugle in the marvel universe a and also like it's Of course, a teenager would see this uh, 20, 30 years later and think like, oh, this is pop art. Like, oh, this is a this is something that we should maybe aspire to. Like now in a different context, this shouldn't be scary for me. This should be scary for them. And I can use that Yeah, yeah,
1: in a way that actually feels very real to like kids getting turned on to fascism as well. Yes. You know, something is so far in the past as to be abstract. You forget that it had real victims and it had real consequence and has things today. It just, it's just a picture, mm-hmm. you know, this is real. Like all the, the people, person who wrote this, the humans had reason to be scared. Magneto had just taken over a fucking missile base. You know, he's <laughs> going to nuke the country. Like this is not, you know, but to you, it is abstract and it doesn't even matter, you know, to Quentin choir. And that just feels extremely teenager to me. Big teen energy. Um Somebody comes by and tells him he's got a, uh, a call uh, from home. He goes over to get the the phone, and we get our title screen. Uh, this the issue, the issue is named Kid Omega, uh, and he's like, "What? My my mom is what? So something bad has happened." Yep. Uh, before
0: we know what that is, uh, we go over to Emma Frost, who's talking to her Stepford Cuckoos. Uh, they are telling her about uh, Jumbo Carnation. Um and I just like this too. Like he made some lovely clothes for the X Factory store: tentacle stockings, wing gloves. Like the idea of a creator making mutant-specific clothing is like we yeah. talk about this all the time. Uh, like when if you had six arms, like it would be fucking a pain in the ass to dress yourself from the fucking gap or a back dick. Yeah, yeah. or a back dick, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And then without jumbo carnation, like I'm fucked. Yeah. The um. You know, uh everyone's very dead. Uh and then they say, like, hey, we do not want Quentin Choir to be involved in our Dance of the Planets display. Um, there's something creepy about him in his see-through mind. So we don't really know what his powers are, but we're we're gonna figure that out. Yeah. Um and Emma Frost chalks us up jealousy. Like, oh, you, you know, you're just jealous, like he's Xavier's prized pupil and your chief rival. You know? Uh so you know, kind of interesting here. Um we cut over uh, at this point, to the death scene of Jumbo Carnation.
0: Yeah, they've got the chalk outline.
1: Is, I love this uh, dialogue with uh with Beast and Cyclops. Like they are both perfectly realized in this scene.
0: Yes, uh, Beast starts off uh, saying that it smells delicious. Unfortunately, uh, because you know yeah. you heat up humans, it smells just like pig. Um, yep. But he says that, that uh, he was killed instantly, and his internal organs were cooked from the inside of his teflon skin. And uh, also, he can smell that he was a little drunk on vodka and orange juice. So he's getting all of this just from his olfactory senses, which I think is like as much as he is a science guy, like he still has all of these preternatural abilities and actually using Mm -hmm. them to solve a crime. And Xavier having sent two of his guys out to do this, I think is really, really good. Like that's just like them helping to solve mutant crimes is, is really great.
1: And again, the sense of humor on display, you know, characters being funny to each other or characters making jokes for themselves is something that a good writer does and bad writers ignore. Um, you know, and the, the detective's like, Oh, you smelled that. This is my first all mutant homicide. Is it mutant aside? And then Cyclops suggests homicide superior, <laughs> homicide which superior is very is funny, so funny, dude. I That's love it. So good.
0: Especially that uh, small text, gets- like kind of in the back of it. Like he's almost like he's saying it to himself. It's just so good. Yeah. I, I love it.
1: He's doing a little improv. Like he's just doing, just uh, doing a little yes. And <laughs> uh, the detective here is like, Oh, you know, how are you, Henry? Like, Hey, Dr. McCoy here save my life, saved my wife. Uh, during this uh, super terror versus meets woman in labor incident a few years ago, uh, Beast is like, I did. He's like, Oh, you remember? He's like, No, all humans look alike to me. It's <laughs> all so save this and save that. And then you know, we have him go, Oh, he cracks me up with his dry humor. You know, I just, it's very funny. This like naive human who doesn't really get what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um, he also asked for people to stop taking pictures cause it's distracting him. Also like there's people around with perfume and cigarettes that's also distracting him. And he asked for that to go away. And then, uh, I love this, like stick up your great? ass, like arms crossed. Scott Cyclops, Scott Cyclops is what I just called him. Jesus Christ. Scott Summers <laughs> saying, uh, I didn't agree to have my picture taken for the press. I hate having my picture taken. I always come out looking stiff and inhuman. human and like,
1: yep, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The guy's like the camera never lies, my friend. <laughs> Um so they they mentioned there's an inhaler here, they wanna they wanna have it. Uh the detective's like, I can probably save you some work that probably has hypercortisone D. Keep it up. Also, I heard you he came out as gay. Well done. And Cyclops' like, he's not gay. Yeah. You know, leaving, and they have this discussion. We talked about this earlier, you know, how this worked and stuff. Um, you know, what's going on. You know, Beast is talking about kick and like Cyclops is like, Come on, man, like why are you saying this? You know, uh he's saying I'm cha- challenging these stereotypes and Cyclops is like, No, like tell me the truth and he, he mentions like this was you know this be this cruel calculated strike at trish tilby's fickle heart um it could have ended there but she decided to prolong this ghastly game of emotional chess and by leaking the news of my sexuality so we saw that when the uh when cassandra nova was attacking and the reporters were at the, the mansion and she was trying to re you know rekindle their flame and he's like i think i might be gay to get revenge she leaked to that to everybody so now he's leaning into it in kind of a spiteful way.
0: Yeah. Um. I like Scott's comment of this because uh, he says a couple of different things, but the one that I like the most is no one but you is going to think this is, is going to find this. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's is incredibly relatable. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you could kind of feel like beast would be a dude to make jokes that only he would get right. Like he's just that dude. Cause not only is he so smart and so well read, like that's just the kind of guy that he is. Um. So yeah. yeah, you're, you mentioned that like two people just having a normal conversation. That's what this feels like.
1: So good. He's good at it. Fucking good at it. And this, this version of X-Men is really great. Yeah. Um, they leave, they start talking a little bit. Um, you know, they're trying, uh, Scott's talking about gene. He's like, Hey, you're a doctor. What do you think of this? Uh, this manifestation of the manifestation of the Phoenix stuff. And he's like, listen, she's, she's grown up. She's a mega. If she were an earthquake, she'd be a 12 on the Richter scale. If she's a mountain. She'd be Olympus Mons on Mars. I ran her through diagnostics. She's fine. And, uh, Cyclops is resisting this. And B says, like, listen, as your physician and best friend, I think you're just projecting your own fears. You're holding a lot back. Also, she's going to be home soon. And uh, beware of late summer frost, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, stop doing this psychic affair with uh, with Emma Frost.
0: I like how everybody knows this is going on. And nobody is yep. telling Jean. Like, it, it, it
1: feels very real to, like, a, a co-working space.
0: Yeah, because you don't... You know? I'm sure they don't know, like, the extent of it. It's just like, oh, I've seen... Like it just looks like they're being inappropriate. Scott and Emma look, like look like they're being inappropriate, but it's not my business. It's not my marriage. And like, what am I going to go tell Jean? Like I saw Scott and Emma standing together. Like, yeah, exactly. So like, it's not like you can really, and you don't want to interfere on that other, because they're both your best friends. Like it's just fucking, it would be a real messy situation. And just for one dude to say to the other of like, Hey, you probably don't need to do this. This is going to blow up in your faces. Like very natural.
1: Yeah. Very good. Uh, and again, just one of my tiny little details I love is they're flying back. They're like, I remember I caught a whiff of something that reminded me of us when we used to hang out in the school library. They talk about how they were both used to hang out in the library and try to impress Jean because she wore glasses, thinking she'd be into nerds. Um, but they talk about these scrapbooks that Xavier made, so they had to identify all of the uh, villains by their costumes.
0: <laughs> I love uh, this so much. <laughs> it's
1: such a good detail. And I, again, just in like all-time great dialogue from this run, uh, Beast say, you know, God, do you remember those beautiful drawings with the watercolors? And Beast saying, the idea of Professor Xavier sitting up night's hand painting all those things scared, scarred my psyche more than any actual mutant terrorist ever could, (laughs) you know? And that's such a good line, you know? And then even Cyclops responds like after Dosha, the old troublemakers don't seem to bother, you know? And that's also like, Hey, this is a mission statement. Like we're dealing with bigger things now. It's not going to be like, aha, it's me, you know, Eric, the red, like showing up or whatever, like El Diablo. Yeah. That kind of shit.
0: So they show up back at the school uh, and they meet up with Emma outside who says that somebody has thrown, this um, uh, a rather embarrassing man-to-mutant tribute <laughs> onto the top yeah. of the roof, basically. And Beast has to go up and, and grab this, like, huge globe-looking things. Um, yeah. I love how, uh, in this panel, the cuckoos are, like, all asking, because they all talk at the same time in a super creepy fashion. Like, they're all asking, Scott, like, when will Miss Summers be back? You must be missing her yeah. awfully. Just in yeah. that room. Like, so you can just tell it's so smarmy. I love it.
1: Yeah, well, because they, they would not want Emma Frost to have an affair with Cyclops, either because they, you know, they love Emma Frost and it's, he's getting her attention. Mm-hmm. Um, this globe that was up on the roof, somebody put a cigarette burn where Genosha would be. You wow, wow. know, wow, wow. Uh, it's sad. Uh, Beast comes down and reminds everybody that Gene Jean exists as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, just like everybody's like, hey, don't go off and psych fuck, guys. <laughs> uh, you know, your wife sends a regard from Hong Kong. Uh, Emma Frost says, oh, how generous of her. I'd rather have jewelry than regards, but regards will be all right. Come on, Cyclops, tell me all about your adventures. Leads him away by the hand to go to a psychic affair. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um We yeah. go over to the to not Spike. Who was this dude's name? Slick. Slick and Tattoo. Uh Tattoo yeah. has like the what do you call these the, the shakers? maracas, the maracas? Maraca. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he's got like what looks like a weird flamenco guitar to my eyes uh and yeah. I, just the lyrics the to steel this guitar yeah the yeah. the lights went out in the heavens cried on the street where jumbo died what kind of message <laughs> can we send when will the suffering reach its end can man and mutants meet his friends or do all yeah. our hopes and legends die on the street on, lie on the street where jumbo died like jesus christ yeah it's
1: it's <laughs> excruciating uh, and I just I love Glob Herman. She's like those are pretty embarrassing lyrics. Huh? Hey, tattoo, uh, you know, because he's a little little horn dog. Uh, and then uh, Quentin Choir here, I, yeah, I I love this again because it's he's being a jerk, but he's not wrong. He's like, how does this benefit Jumbo? Like you are making this about yourself, you know. Uh, the Slick is like, what point are you trying to make? He's like, I don't know. Do you have any idea what happens when you don't you find out you're not the person you thought you were? I do. How about you? He's obviously doing a superpower thing. Mm-hmm. Uh zaps Slick with something and says, Who wants to see Slick naked? Um, we cut over to where Tattoo is disgusted by him because he's this little like toad creature. He's this little lizard man.
0: Yeah, we didn't really describe Slick at all, but like he was very much the cool dude, right? Like he Yes. He had like cornrows and like open shirt, six-pack, like, you know, yep. baggy jeans, looking Pearl cool, coat. looking sly. Um, yeah. and then, yeah, now we see that he's got like these short webbed feet. He's got these weird ears and this kind of alien looking face and tattoo is instantly yeah. like grossed out. And he's saying, I'm the same person. I'm the, still the same guy. And, like tattoo shows has a loser run across her face as she's looking at yeah. him. And yeah. Quentin says, yeah, it's, it was all fake and, and illusion. And that's what charisma is.
1: And that's what everything is. Like, this is the, the birth of his teenage nihilism. We're going to find out later that slick hat his superpower is superpowers. He has a tangible ego. That is extremely cool to me. Yeah. Like every once in a while Grant Morrison will make like a, a nonsense speech like superpower <laughs> idea and it'll be dumb. I think having a tangible ego, like you look as good as you think you look, you know, or as as good as you feel mm-hmm. is a really cool uh subversion of like um like super guardian or whatever his name is from uh the Shiar Imperial yeah. Guard, who has his power, you know, his strength is equal to his belief. Um so we go later to uh to Quentin Quire being punished for this. Yes. You, you know, get, being, sit being to the of principal's office. Uh, exactly.
0: And, uh, you know, Xavier is basically saying like, you're a very promising student. So we don't really understand why you would go out of your way to humiliate somebody like this. Um, yeah. And I guess like, you're welcome to spend some time at the school specific retreat. Like, I guess they've got like a cool place in California. They could just send kids to chill. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get to go live in the raft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just like, no, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's like deserved it. Um, I had this realization You know, and this is, again, it's so Holden Caulfield, like he's phony, he's fake, you know, you have to be real. Uh, Beast is like, you know, this is, like, he's a pain, but this is, this was overkill. He's like, he was a liar. I don't need a retreat. I need a haircut. And he's written the words crazy now on his forehead. Uh, (laughs) Quentin, are you okay? (laughs) No, like extremely no. And no one's seeing it. Again, this is a blind spot. They're treating it like sending him to the principal's office. Uh, and this is actually extremely dangerous. He cannot see this danger under his own nose. Mm -hmm. You know, I love it. Uh, We find out what he found out on the phone call. He was adopted.
0: Yes. And so that's making him kind of look at everything differently. And he says, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing about this brave new world, but I actually live in it and it's not as, as perfect as you might, as you make it out to be like you preach it utopia, but you never deliver on the dream that we keep hearing about and um and xavier this is the
1: first of like three conversations of xavier dodging yeah and xavier
0: does does dodge this he's like yeah that's okay whatever but like that's not why we brought you here we actually brought you here because we're concerned about your health um and says that there's some like anomalies in his blood test results and i just love the fact that they were like yes every mutant that comes in is going to have to subject themselves to like regular blood testing (laughs) oh yeah
1: (laughs) they think that he might be having a secondary mutation here um because his brain is burning sugar at a rate 15 times normal that's why he's eating the chocolate bars And again, just Xavier not listening here, the, uh, did you end up seeing that Joker movie?
0: Yeah, I finally did. Mm Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I have some problems with that movie. I think there are parts of it that are cool. One of the scenes I like is before he goes full Joker, all the times he's talking to his like caseworker. Right. And there's a part where he like tells her, he's like, I don't, I just, you know, I don't feel like I really exist. And she ignores it because of financial reasons and funding. And he's like, I just told you that I don't think I exist. And you're, you're like, you're my fucking therapist. Yeah. You know? And like, that's, and that's what the scene reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, You know, like, Quentin Quire just told you what's wrong, and you just had an opportunity to be a mentor and help him, and you dodged it. And he just continuously does it. Like, Xavier has no idea how to deal with this. He's way out of his death.
0: And from there, we go to Quentin in Mutant Town, who is uh, at the site of Jumbo Coronation's death. Um, the chalk is still there, but now someone has spray painted mutant scum. He deserved it. Um, and he's kind of talking to himself, saying that everybody deserves it. The yep. professor's fake Everybody. mom and dad are strangers everything's a lie and that's when it's revealed that he's on drugs and he's thinking like oh the drugs can't hurt me can they and he's taking a hit of kick
1: yep he takes the uh the inhaler um we cut over to uh him going and getting a haircut um uh, you know again the really subtle you know uh professor xavier's cultural dominance the barber is like so the shaved look is really big on the streets and I'm just, <laughs> oh, i just wonder if that's because xavier is like a tv celebrity probably so you know yeah um and he's like no that's the old stuff have you seen this new this is the new thing have you seen this pop art masterpiece he brings out the newspaper and says cut my hair like like the guy in the picture and that's yes. the final panel like a very confident ending stinger also to be, cut um, my hair like the guy in the picture
0: I, I, I like that a lot and like the i like the difference in the panels because when we see him um before he takes the kick he just like kind of looks kind of downtrodden maybe a little sad or contemplative and then as soon as he hits the kick uh, like some kids come through and, and kick a bunch of flowers over, but his eyes are huge and round and he's like at this real intense yeah. stare. And like that final shot of him just like gripping the side of the barber's chair and like every muscle on, on like, you know, just tensed up and he's just got this wide stare. It's just so fucking like it's intense. Yeah. You, you, you realize like, Oh, this shit is actually bad for you.
1: Yeah. And later Emma Frost describes it in the next issue we're going to talk about. And it this sounds like that. Yeah. or you know, this, this looks like that. Really good, like what a fucking issue! Like this arc, I'm so excited to talk about it. It's one of my favorite pieces of. Com- it's like one of my favorite comics of all time, like easy. Yeah, easy. So, lots really of really good.
0: Going to get to be going to be lots of fun to cover because it's just full yeah. of good stuff.
1: Um, so well, yeah, there's the whole the whole B plot with fucking Zorn and the special class and stuff. I love Basilisk so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> no.
0: you know, you know. yeah, yeah, so, it'll be really fun. We'll talk about that in, uh, in the next episode. But yeah, all that Zorn stuff really works for me
1: as well. So yeah, really uh, really good A plot and B plot.
0: Yeah this 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 sets off like a a really good arc. This is going to last four or five issues, I think. It's um, it's five with this prelude one. Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, so this for some reason this isn't considered part of the arc. I have weird. no idea why. Weird. Uh
0: but it's 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 extremely good. Um if you're if you're listening to this and trying to read along, like we we already told you you shouldn't do that. Uh you should go ahead and read ahead, but uh, at least finish this arc because mm-hmm. I think like as we get deeper into it, we're going to talk about the ending of it as as we discuss things. So definitely read yeah. ahead a little bit from this issue. Uh and yeah, I think that's it. We'll be back in a couple of days with more new X-Men. Um, in the meantime, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash TV is the place to do so. You get all sorts of cool things for doing it. Uh, you get episodes of this podcast early, and you get them all in a group, which is kind of cool. You can get tons and tons of free content from Gary Gary's other shows. Um, just all kinds of cool stuff. So go check mm-hmm. all of that out. Uh, reviews and ratings are highly appreciated. Uh, those go a long way to making the show visible to other people and also just tell your friends. Never hurts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We would
1: really appreciate that. Um, and that, that's probably it. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you.
0: And, uh, well, yeah, we'll see you next time with issue number one thirty five. Umbasa
1: Umbasa.